Welcome to Homeschool Insights, the show that brings you biblical homeschool encouragement in under 10 minutes. I'm your host, Yvette Hampton. Homeschool Insights is sponsored by CTC Math. If you're looking for a great online math program, visit ctcmath.com and try it for free. Now on to the show. You know, I, I think America still is a land of opportunity, even though our greatness has declined. And, and I think a lot of that does correspond with when you do things God's way, you enjoy more blessings and benefits right. because that's that's what flows from doing it God's way, right? God's ways work. And because our nation is becoming less godly, we're, we're seeing less greatness in our nation. And it doesn't mean that this isn't still a land of opportunity. And then to your bigger question, how did we get to this place? Because again, going back to early education and, and to even illustrate a little bit more the foundation of Christianity and education, you can go to an 1844 Supreme Court decision. It was Vidal versus Girard's executors. And in this decision, the Supreme Court actually ruled unanimously 8-0 decision that in order for a public school to receive government funding, they would be required to teach the Bible, to promote Christianity, and to allow pastors, gospel ministers on campus to evangelize the students. And if any school said they did not want to do that, they would lose their government funding. Wow. Now, that was 1844, and, and this was still the obvious point of education. We can go even further. When you go to the late 1800s, there were, there were laws that were still being passed in states that were requiring every every single school in that state that their students every week had to memorize a chapter of the bible and and in some states there was there was different nuance where in Pennsylvania they said that students would need to memorize or maybe this was New Jersey I'm getting confused which state it might have been now but uh, students had to memorize the passage that the pastor had taught from church the, the preceding Sabbath, they would have to memorize that passage as well as maybe a psalm or something else. But Christianity was always a part of education. And this is the way it was really up until you get to the 1960s, where you have a, a radical Supreme Court and they say that we don't want to have any Bible in school anymore. We don't have any prayer in school anymore. Then you get to the 1970s and, and this same radical court, one of the things that after saying we don't want the Bible in prayer anymore, there's also some interesting correlation where you can study the, the outcome of what was happening in public schools. If you look at the 1950s, the, the top problems identified by teachers in public schools were students talking in class or chewing gum in the hallways. Those were the <laughs> top issues. Public school teachers said, this is the biggest problem we have in school, right? Like wow. that, that's, that's crazy. Well, then you get to the 60s and 70s and the problems they begin to see where they begin to have teen pregnancies. They begin to have sexually transmitted diseases. They begin to have a violent crime. All these issues in public school when like literally just a decade before they had none of those problems, but then you remove God, you remove prayer, you remove the Bible and you begin to see the crumbling of some of the structure in 1971, the same radical Supreme Court that said no prayer, no Bible. Bible in schools, they actually had a case, it was Lemon v. Kurtzman. And in this case, they said that if it was a case that was striking down religious activity in public. And, and they said in this case that if somebody does religious activity in public, unless they can prove that the primary purpose of that activity wasn't religious, then you can't do it. Now, that, that seems weird and kind of convoluted. What they're saying is you can't do religious things in public if they're for religious reasons. 
And, and really, why else would you be doing religious things in public if it's not for religious reasons? So what they're arguing is no religious things in public. That was what they said. And that was the standard from 1971. And from 1971, literally until last year, that was a standard. Wow. Last year, we had a, a case of the Supreme Court. It was the Coach Kennedy decision. Coach Kennedy was a football coach from Bremerton, Washington. Uh, he was a 20-year Marine veteran. And then he went back. He was at high school. He was a football coach. And one of the things he would do after football games by himself, after the game was over, he would go to the 50 yard line. He would take a knee and he would pray and thank God for freedom, for students, for safety. And some of the football players took notice that he's going and praying. And they said, coach, what are you doing? He said, well, I'm going and praying. And they said, well, can we come with you? He said, it's a free country. You can do what you want. So he's not coercing anybody, but the school found out what he was doing. The school said, you're not allowed to pray in front of students. That's unconstitutional, which of course it's not, but that's what he was told. And he said, I'm not going to stop doing this, right? I, I fought for freedom 20 years in the Marines. I know what freedom is. I have the freedom to do this. They said, no, you don't. They threatened to fire him if he continued. He continued, they fired him. This case went all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court. And when the Supreme Court heard this case last summer, they said that Bremerton Washington High School was totally wrong for firing him because of his Christian faith. That's totally unconstitutional. You can't do that, fire someone for their religious convictions. But what they went further to say is, the argument that lower courts had used as to why he was wrong and couldn't do this, it was based on the Lemon decision. The Lemon decision, the one that says you can't do religious things in public if they're for religious reasons, they said that has always been a ridiculous standard. It's not constitutional, that there's not precedent for this. And the Supreme Court last summer said that unconditionally is overturned. That is a standard we will no longer use. It no longer applies. Well, there's been more than 7,300 cases where religious freedom was struck down because of the Lemon decision, that, that Lemon ruling. One of the things that, that it led to in 1980, there was a case, Stone v. Graham at the Supreme Court. There was a, a public school in Kentucky that displayed Ten Commandments, and they were told, you're not allowed to display those because that's religion. You can't have religion in public for religious reasons. And the Supreme Court in 1980 upheld that the Ten Commandments couldn't be displayed in schools. And so for the last several decades, the Ten Commandments have been removed from virtually every single school anywhere yeah. in the nation. The great news now is because Lemon's been overturned, there's actually states in Texas. This is something happening right now in Texas. The state legislature has worked to get the Ten Commandments back in schools. They're actually passing a law, passing the Senate, going through the House. We expect the governor to sign this that will require the Ten Commandments to be displayed once again in public schools. And, and the reason this matters, obviously, for, for homeschool individuals, for right the homeschool mom listening, why does this matter? Because one of the things we need to understand is one of the, the things we've done incorrectly, I think, in culture is we have played defense for so long, right? Just saying, hey, leave us alone. Let us raise our kids. We want to we wanna worship and serve God. Just, just stay out of our way. We have just tried to be left alone and, and we've played defense, but we've allowed the other side to advance so much. We have been now given one of the most unique opportunities in American history that there are now opportunities where we can actually go on offense and once again, promote religious freedom, religious morality in the nation. We can once again have prayer back in public schools. We can have prayer at school board meetings. We can have prayer at city council. We, we can have Christmas choirs and carols that sing nothing but Christian carols. Things that we were told for the last literally 50 years we couldn't do because they were religious and you can't have religion in public. We literally can do that now constitutionally upheld by the Supreme Court last summer. And, and this is something as, as we talk about where did schools go wrong? There were lots of ways they went wrong. 
But we are now in a unique place that we can actually see some level of restoration of these values back into the public arena. And certainly it, it, it doesn't make me think that public schools now are going to be great. And right, all of us stop homeschooling, send your kids back to public school. That's crazy. That's not what we're advocating at <laughs> do all. Do not do that. Right? No, that's not what we're advocating. But it's understanding the landscape we're in. And if all we do is continue to play defense, and all that happens is the other side continues to play offense, we're, we're not going to advance the ball down the field, and, and, and we're just going to slow what the other team is doing in this regard. If we would go on offense, we can push back in so many ways. And right, maybe it's not for our kids, because our kids are homeschooled, and they're not going to have this impact. But think about the fact that more than 80% of the nation, their kids go to public school. And, and if we can make a difference for 80% of the kids in the nation, this nation will be better off. And if our nation's better off, then we're better off. One of the verses that that we all know, Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, right? To, not to harm you, to give you hope in the future. Everybody knows that verse. But if you back up a few verses before that, Jeremiah was writing to the, the Israelites, the, the, the Jews that were in captivity. And he said, where where you're in this land and captives, don't don't stop living. Don't don't stop getting married and having kids. He said, in fact, seek the peace and prosperity of the land in which you live. For when it goes well with that land, it will go well with you. And one of the things we have to make sure that we are intentional about is that we don't so disconnect from society that we're not able to help seek the peace and prosperity of the land in which we live. Yeah. Because when it goes better for the land, it goes better for us. We want to make sure that we are paying enough attention that we can stay engaged in this cultural fight as we are working to raise our kids in the yeah. fear and admonition of the Lord, that we can still engage in culture to make this land a better place so that our kids have a better opportunity with a land of more freedom. And, and as you mentioned, even coming out of last break, a place where maybe we can say that this is the greatest nation again. We can restore some of that greatness because we restore that biblical foundation that helped us be great in the first place. Thanks for joining us for Homeschool Insights. For more great homeschool inspiration and resources, listen to the Schoolhouse Rocked podcast every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And be sure to watch the film Schoolhouse Rocked, The Homeschool Revolution.